The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. Good afternoon to you. It is 12 minutes, uh, five past the 12 hour mark on this, the 14th of November 2022. This week sees Fraud Week. It's an international awareness week that looks at fraud trends, fraud detection and fraud awareness and helping us to make sense of where we stand as a country with fraud. We're joined today by a panel of experts. They'll be joining us in a couple of minutes. I'd like to remind you, of course, that the views expressed on the show aren't necessarily those of mine or that of Chai FM. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. International Fraud Awareness Week 2022. This is a panel discussion brought to you by the ACFE South Africa and FM. A very good afternoon to all of those joining in and a warm welcome to our three panelists today who I'd like to introduce by first giving their resumes. Joining us is Yaku de Yaga from the ACFE South Africa. Yaku is the CEO of the South African chapter of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, having been the first person appointed to this role in 2008. He seeks to professionalize the management of fraud, helping the ACFE South Africa to become the only South African professional body registered to perform forensic investigations. Previously, Yaku is a senior forensic auditor at Hollard Insurance and is a graduate of the University of Pretoria. Also joining us is Anne-Marie Kruchel from BDO South Africa. Anne-Marie is a director in the forensic uh, services department at BDO and leads a team that makes a pivotal contribution through their national risk advisory service to all of their business sectors. She joined BDO in 2018 with the objective to establish a professional forensics team that could service the Southern African market. Her team at BDO, with the support of BDO International, provides a comprehensive, integrated suite of forensic services that specialize in fraud investigations, anti-corruption compliance, forensic technology services, and financial reporting disputes. Anne-Marie started her career in the South African Department of Justice in 1984. By the time she left the department to join a labor law practice, she was both an experienced senior prosecutor and an experienced magistrate. Her interest in labor-related matters graduated to forensic investigations when she immersed herself in matters where she collaborated with the South African Police Service. She's also the author of a book entitled The Legal Dimensions of E-Recruitment Practices. Our last panelist, Christopher Sarden, is a well-established information security specialist figure in the local South African and sub-Saharan market. He has established himself as a strategic information security advisor to several enterprises as well as ICT and solution providers. He excels in the design, implementation and management of information security, risk and compliance solutions aligned to industry best practices and standards. He's currently the executive head of cybersecurity at Hazi Technologies PZY Limited. Thank you so much to the three of you for making yourselves available today. The topic of our conversation is International Fraud, Week, uh, Fraud Awareness Week in the context of South Africa. If anyone listening to the discussion would like to ask any questions, you can send a SMS text message to 34519, tweet at FM, or send a telegram to 061-895-1019. Please give your name when asking a question. Or making an observation. Let's kick off with Yaku. Yaku, a very good afternoon to you. Thank you very much, uh, Chad. Thanks for the opportunity of being here. 
Yaku, a very important week for all of us that are engaged in the investigation, the detection, and the making aware of fraud issues in South Africa. The most important question, though, is why is there a need for an International Fraud Awareness Week? Well, Chad, uh, this started a number of years ago. Um, it was initiated by the ACFE more than 15 years ago to get people to to start sharing information, um, to, to talk about what is fraud. You'll remember in the, in the past, it was always referred to as the F word, something that, uh, not the swear word, but the fraud word that uh, no one wanted to work with um, and, and talk about. A lot of companies even uh, went as far as to say that fraud uh, does not happen within our, within our business. Well, subsequent to that, over the years, we released the one report after the other showing that the losses that we face is um, is quite astronomical. I mean, we're talking of, of billions and billions going missing due to fraud. Um, if and, and the only way that we can really deal with uh, fraud, uh, mitigate the business risk, mitigate our own risks, is through uh, education. And Fraud Awareness Week, later on became a, a international fraud awareness week that's no longer just driven by the ACFE. It's driven by m- many organizations that uh, notice that to be proactive within your organization, you need to, to, to talk about it. And not only during this week, but also during inductions and right through the year, showing what is, uh, what is zero tolerance um, and, and what's the culture of the organization. So, um, we're proud to be part of this week uh, from a South African perspective, and um, we're, part, uh, we're proud to, to be talking to you. Um, and this is not the first time this year, so thanks again for, for, for getting us on stage and, and also being actively involved yourselves um, in, in this whole uh, education process. Hope that answers your question. Well, Yaku, thank you for that. And I think it's very important for the general public out there to be aware that there are organizations trying to make a difference in both the private and public sector. And that's why this to us was something new today, having a panel discussion with experts and um, that broadcasts live to our 125,000 listeners that can now somehow understand that there is a move towards the prevention, of course, making aware what's going on with fraud and corruption in South Africa. We're fortunate also to be joined by Anne-Marie, and the reason why I say fortunate, not just because of the position she currently holds, but Anne-Marie is an ex-senior prosecutor and magistrate, so brings with her that knowledge from the judicial system and the way our sometimes very complex criminal justice system works. And I want to touch on that a little bit later in the insert. But my first question for Anne-Marie, and Anne-Marie, a very good, very good morning and afternoon and welcome to you. My question for you is, South Africa seems beset with cases of fraud and corruption in both the public and the private sectors. Has this become a culture of doing business in South Africa? And if so, how would we undo this culture? Dad, good afternoon. Um um, thank you also for the opportunity, and I also want to say thanks, firstly, to the media that is bringing us to the forefront to understand and to explain to businesses what is what is going on. Now, I think we were, you know, listening to the Zonda Commission. We see regularly uh, matters relevant to fraud in the country, and we are quite positive. We as BDO, we're quite a big company. The last two years, you know, we... Um, grown from a medium-sized firm to a major player in South Africa. And currently, we're the fifth largest professional firm in the world. 
So you can see that we spend considerable time to see that we in our business want to have a clean business. We're very proud of our business. We've got very good clients. And I do think if we then come and we support um, the services of what is also provided by the walks, we know them as the DPCI, we know the NPA, um, they do good work. I know there's frustrations with matters that is in media, but I would like to emphasize that the media plays an extremely important role for us, as well as what I also would like to talk to you about is the whistleblowing in South Africa. And that is what we say from our perspective, it is there is definitely some positive change that we can make. I think we're going to pick up on the whistleblowing a little bit later. It's something that's close to all of our hearts that have investigated fraud in South Africa, especially the plight of whistleblowers. Christo, fraudsters are adept at change, and we're seeing far more instances of fraud being committed in the digital space. What are the threats that companies are exposed to in the digital, in the digital space, irrelevant of their size? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the question. And first and foremost, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. I, I, I think from the first and foremost thing South Africans need to realize is fraud is a significant and it's a real problem in South Africa. I think we currently rank number four in the world when it comes to phishing and people targeting individuals and engaging the individual. I mean, we've seen a significant rise in um in impersonation or, or um, what we refer to as vishing attacks where fraudsters are interactively engaging with probably the weakest link of, of them all, which is the human element. So irrespective of organization size, I mean, we experience fraud at a anti-money laundering level, um, there is there is online fraud fraud consistently happening. We've experienced we've we, we've seen incidents where there's impersonation of a financial director extracting um, what we refer to as money mule. So there's a magnitude of attack vectors prevailing itself, but most definitely it is leaning towards the weakest link in the chain, which is targeting the individual and, as we said earlier, the awareness of the individual to be on the lookout for fraud incidents and that almost that level of innocence that is being exploited by our, our criminals. You're listening to International Fraud Awareness Week 2022, a panel discussion which is brought to you by the ACFE South Africa and FM. If you have any messages for our distinguished panelists, you can send a text to 34519. You can tweet at FM or send a telegram to 061-895-1019. We'll be back straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. It's International Fraud Awareness Week 2022, and this is a panel discussion brought to you by the ACFE South Africa 
and Chai FM. We're fortunate to have three distinguished panelists, Yaku de Yaga from the ACFE South Africa, Amri Kruchel from BDO South Africa, and Christopher Staden, who's the Executive Head of Cybersecurity at Horsey Technologies. Before we went to break, we were chatting to the panelists, and Anne-Marie brought up a very interesting aspect of what's happening in South Africa in respect of fraud and corruption, and that is the role played by whistleblowers. Anne-Marie, what is the importance of whistleblowers, um, especially the reporting that's made to assist with fraud investigation and detection, taking into consideration the high-profile stories lately of how whistleblowers have been targeted for harassment, if not for worse. Chad, I think um, if you if you look at what um, the organisation also do in relevant to research, you will see that the ACFE published a report of the Nations 2022, wherein um, they brought to the table a study that was done in 133 countries, and they looked at um, targeted organisations in 23 distinct industry categories. Now we look at occupational fraud, and then we look at what is the importance of whistleblowers. And from this study, and please, the readers and your listeners can go and read this report of the nations. They're welcome to communicate with the ACFE and, and get the statistics to see that occupational fraud initially uncovered by tips that we call and refer to was 42%. Now, if I can just look at my notes, you will see the reported fraud. Your employees um, did 55%, customers 18%, anonymous 16%, vendors 10%, other people 5%. I cannot overemphasize the importance of whistleblowers in South Africa. We've got good legislation and we've got gaps in our legislation. But what BDOs say is that if we look at corporate um, environments, we all do have a duty. We have a duty to understand the legislation. We have a duty to understand how do we work with the people that report. We also do have a duty to understand how do we work with the reports. And it's sad to see, Chad, what, what you read in media um, of people that's being killed. We all know about Babita's matter. We know about the people that appeared in court. We know there's people on suspension. And those things we don't want to happen. I can assure you in my environment where we do forensic work in, for the past 33 years, we have communicated with lots of people that made available um, information to us that can shorten proceedings and also help us. I want to say to you one thing that's quite interesting, that, you know, when, when companies look at audits, they think if they have an audit that they will see there's fraud. That doesn't happen. Um, it's time that corporates talk to the auditors, the external auditors, and see what processes are in place. Because every company, every public entity should have a opportunity and should create an opportunity for us to to talk. Thank you. Yaku, is government and the private sector serious about fighting fraud and corruption? And tell us a little bit more about the MOUs that have been signed with the ACFE with a lot of organizations that seem to be taking this scourge, this epidemic in South Africa, a lot more seriously than others. Thanks, Chad. I, um, I'm, I just came from uh, a, a, a session hosted by the SIU and the um, and Department of Water and Sanitation. 
So uh, to answer your question, I do think that the government is taking this seriously. If I look at at what's happening during this week and how education is taking place, um, today specifically the Department of Water and Sanitation, and I think it will be uploaded a little bit later, is going to release a, a video clip where they where we all had to sign a specific pledge towards anti-corruption. Um, and, and what was nice about this pledge, and I forgot to even say that during my session with them, is the fact that they don't hold the people accountable as, as public servants. They hold the people accountable in the pledge uh, that, that we had to take. says, as a citizen of South Africa, we will not uh, be involved with irregularities, uh, misuse of money, uh, bribery. So they actually had a whole pledge that they, that they had to write, and each and every person, including myself, signed this uh, with them. The DG was there as well. So if I, to answer your question, I do think that there's a, there's a lot of organizations taking this further, taking this very seriously, um, making sure that the staff understands what the legislation says about uh, PFMA, MFMA, what the legislation talks uh, and, and states about um, uh, um, your, your anti-corruption legislation, um, when you need to report, how, why you need to report. Um, to talk to, to Anna Marie's point as well, uh, specifically today, and I know that in our session with the our uh, International Fraud Awareness uh, session today, as well as what's going to happen with KZN, um, the municipalities that's involved, um, states, and, and they request that we talk about ethics and we talk about whistleblowing, protection of, of, of their staff, and, and actually coming forward. So I think they do take this very seriously and, uh, and, and they, they, they use media channels like yourselves as well, um, to go out there and say that there is now a zero tolerance. They were talking about how they, the, the DG this morning even got money back from service providers. They specifically named two, two companies. I'm not going to, to talk about it now here, where the one company had to refund them 450 million. And, and the other organization, 250 million. So it's, it's not small change that they're going after. They insist in paying us back. Um, you overcharge us. You didn't provide your service. So no more tolerating this, which is great news. It sends out a clear picture. MOU wise, we've signed MOUs with various organizations in government and in the private sector, uh, including, uh, we're busy with uh, signing one now with uh, DPCI, uh, SIU, uh, as well as uh, NPA. To help them alleviate the, the pressure that's on them, to help them through through professionals like yourselves and Anna Marie and, and, and the others, to 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 get them involved in their investigative processes, uh, and then um, to really push through the cases that's been long um, overdue in in being followed up uh, through the system to make sure that those involved in irregularities uh, get what's coming to them. It's very comforting to to hear this. It was also very comforting to read both yesterday and today's social media of the, the official South African government's website, the South African Police Services website, even the South African National Defense Forces website, talking about the fact that it is International Fraud Awareness Week and what needs to be done. And this isn't a flash in the pan. This, this is important for people to understand that this is an ongoing program. People tend to say, you know, in August we hear about crimes against women, but what about the rest of the year? What people don't understand is there needs to be a time where we can just focus so that people are aware that it is a daily, hourly, and every minute of the day, something is happening in South Africa to fight the scourge of fraud and corruption. 
Christo, um, Chad, just to, 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 to add to that, and one thing that people forget is Forward Awareness Week is not only about companies. It's also about individuals like myself and, uh, and you. Um, we get defrauded when when an organization gets defrauded. I mean, we pay higher premiums for insurance and healthcare and, and all the others. We uh, drive through portals each and every day. We don't have electricity. So this has a direct impact on us. But looking past that, we also get... Um, get targeted by syndicates. Um, and and uh, you spoke about cyber, and I think Krista will talk about it, um, who tries to hack our accounts, who tries to make use of, especially nowadays when we start seeing Black Friday specials and we go do online banking and, 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 and online shopping um, and, and Christmas is around the corner. So we need to be aware what's out there and we need to know how to protect ourselves as, as um, citizens as well. Exceptionally valid points. And it brings me to my question to Christo. Christo, we're chatting about the high level awareness and the fact that there's buy-in now from government and a lot of corporates and other private sector organizations. And Yaku very, very eloquently described the trickle-down effect of fraud and corruption from a high level all the way to how it impacts on us as citizens. But there's also fraud that's perpetrated, that's directed straight towards the consumer. So let's chat a little bit about that. What are the latest banking trend scams? Um, and, and what can banking users do to avoid being defrauded, especially this busy time of the year where people are wanting to buy gifts, people are wanting to start um, coming down to, to having a bit of relaxation with their families, getting ready for the festive season and for the vacations? Yeah, thanks um, for the question. I think I think if you if you want to translate it back to cyber and cybersecurity, one needs to realize that there are 75 times as many phishing websites as malware sites. So that 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 brings you to the to the to the magnitude of the challenge. We need to realize that these perpetrators are geared in to gather our data and to get their hands on our data. We initially saw them purely phishing. This is uh, email getting sing prompted, prompted you for a reaction, click on a link, and you would um, basically provide them with, um, with 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 critical data, card number, PIN number, etc., etc. And it tapered off. Around about 2021, we could see them being less effective on phishing because we had cybersecurity awareness training to our communities. And it, it tapered, tapered off. The latest trend that we are seeing is what we refer to as vishing attacks. Now, vishing attacks is where you literally get a voice call from a attacker trying to pose as a, um, as, as, as a banking official interacting with you try and, and, and gathering the necessary data. If you quantify this, South Africans should realize that we are dealing between 45 and roughly about 60,000 incidents on an annual basis of people gathering the data and compromising. If you take it down to a monetary level, card not present fraud, where they basically already gathered this information and now they're tra- tra- transacting, transacting with that card of yours, is like five times more than any other type of banking fraud, fraud that we are experiencing in country. I mean, we, we're talking in the millions. I want to spend just three minutes giving some practical advice to listeners out there. 
don't click on the link. A bank will never, ever send you a text email requesting you to click on a link and fill in your information. I mean, if these guys are calling you, they often use quite offensive language. Don't respond to them. I mean, be aware that, and you must almost, we call it zero trust in the cyber world, always treat that 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 caller or that individual with the worst level of trust. He is a bad guy. Bad guy. Look for typos in messages. I mean, often these fraudsters, ironically, don't know how to spell, and typos will occur. I mean, enter call as quickly as possible and just tell them there's absolutely no way that I'm going to share my data. And key, don't share. I mean, be careful of um, one-time pins. If you receive a one-time pin and you know you're not transacting on your account, I mean, you immediately report it to your bank because that means someone else. There's either some swap that happened, so they basically convince your service provider to 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 issue a second SIM, uh, um, SIM card on, on your behalf. At the moment you receive an OTP and you're not transacting, I mean, reach out to the guys and um, to, to, to your bank. And most often banks are getting more clever. They are putting mitigation strategies and controls in place to, to, to avoid these things. But essentially it's up to you as the individual to be um, vigilant, be diligent, and be on the lookout that these guys are going to try and defraud you and, and transact on your behalf. Anne-Marie, Yaku has given us the the example of the trickle-down effect of fraud and corruption from a high level down to us. And Christo has chatted about what we need to do to prevent ourselves from becoming victims of fraud. As an ex-senior prosecutor and a magistrate, you have seen firsthand the devastating effect of fraud and corruption. It's the furthest thing from a victimless crime. It's devastating. It destroys families. It wrecks friendships and relationships, and it can lead to death, be it through suicide or be it through the fact that you can't afford medical aid and the basics. For you as somebody who was in that environment as a as a prosecutor and both a magistrate, how important is restorative justice and restitution for fraud victims? Chad, thank you. Um, it is very important. You know, what we've seen, and, and we've seen in a matter that um, we did not complete it so long ago, where your fraud is, you know, it's, it's actually implicating other people as well. So you sit in your work circumstances, and um, I might be doing things wrong, but to take the attention away from me, I also implicate my colleague sitting next to me and B. So um, it's actually sad what is happening. And it's important that the, when the employer, you know, realizes something wrong, that something is done immediately. People want to see. And, and you as the employer must take action to help these people. People would like to trust you. People would like to come forward. But, you know, it's tragic. We had also an incident where one of the matters where we were um, involved in um, a witness was killed. Um, it's traumatic for my team. It's traumatic for myself. It's not good. We need not to sit there. I think what what is more important is that you can say to the person, um, we're taking action and we're creating an environment where you can actually do your work. We've seen businesses closing down. We've seen businesses retrenching people. We see people suffering. 
because of the fact that there's fraud. In government, we've seen matters where um, money was taken and some of the housing um, issues. And I'm not talking about a recent case. I won't breach my confidentiality as well. But you can see if if government doesn't have money to build houses for poor people, what is happening? So, and a lot of times those those money is is problematic if those money is not available. So it's very important for a person to see that something is happening. It really is devastating. Like you said, there's those that get brought on board through desperation when one looks at the money mules. And then, of course, there's other serious issues out there where fellow colleagues and, and other people can be implicated. We're chatting International Fraud Awareness Week. We have a panel discussion which is brought to you by the ACFE South Africa and Chai FM with our three panelists, Yakuda Yaga from the ACFE South Africa, Anne-Marie Kruchel from BDO South Africa, and Christopher Staden, who is the Executive Head Cybersecurity at Hosi Technologies. Before we go to break, Krista, give us an example of one of the more prevalent trends at the moment where we're seeing a lot of, of consumers being duped. Krista. Chad, I think I, yeah, I, I think I referred to it earlier. Um, I mean, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer the question in a personal experience. I mean, receiving a call from, um, from my personal bank. Um, saying that you know what fraudsters are currently b- busy transacting on my on my bank account, and um, they would like to assist me in stopping this fraud of uh, of of me being defrauded. Initially, I thought you know what, yeah, great for my bank. You guys are wake up. You guys are on top of your game. You are protecting me as a consumer. And the engagement, and I mean, I'm in industry. I, I understand the dynamics of these attacks and so forth. It, it, it led to a discussion where um, a reference number had to be given back to the um, in, in confirmation. So, sir, we've we've um, we've reported the matter. We're going to stop them of transacting on your account now. Can you please? And 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 the reference number, the last four digits of the reference number was my. My, um, my, my bank card code or my, my, my secret pin. And in the latter part of the discussion, the individual said, okay, can you just repeat your reference number back to me? And I all of a sudden realized that this is what they're busy, busy with. They, they've got my, they've got my name. They've got my number and they can most probably transact with my card without my pin. And they, they're trying to wish my, um, my, my secret pin from me. Um, so those are typically the d- d- dynamics of the attack. Other than in a phishing attack, a phishing attack, your consumer's got the time to think about it, dissect the message, think whether he's going to click back, back on the link. A phishing attack is more interactive. It's more dynamic. You, you need to respond in the moment. And that's why they are so successful. And they, um, and, and, and they are, um, getting the right data and compromising the, the user. And the next time you see this money disappearing from your account. So those are typically the dynamics of what we are dealing with in, a, in, 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 in the modern day. You're listening to Confidential Brief. We'll be right back with Yaku and Marie and Christo straight after this. Confidential Brief is proudly brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in roof waterproofing. 
It's International Fraud Awareness Week 2022, and this is a panel discussion brought to you by the ACFE South Africa and CHI-FM. We're joined by Yaku de Yagu, Anna-Marie Kruchel, and Christopher Staden, three expert panelists to discuss the issues of fraud and corruption in South Africa. Yaku, when one looks at the ACFE from a global perspective, there's 90,000 members. That is absolutely massive. And one of the fastest growing areas, I understand, and you'll fill us in, is South Africa and Africa. To what do we contribute this growth? Is it because fraud and corruption is becoming more prevalent? Is it because people are becoming more aware of the need to have people in place to prevent it? Thanks, Jack. Yes, I think it's, uh, it's all of the above, um, to answer your question. Um, people and businesses understand that nowadays with all the technology out there and, and with all the fraud taking place, you need to have an expert that understands the environment. No longer can you just employ a certain person because of having a, a specific qualification. Having an academic qualification gives you the advantage, but you need to have a certain type of skill sets to understand, uh, to have this, uh, this, this mindset of let's go and scratch uh, within your organization. We, we're more than 96,000 uh, members internationally. Um, we're more, uh, in, in more than 195 countries. South Africa is growing rapidly, you're quite right. Um, the need for, exp- uh, for experts is, is, has increased. Um, in, in reports like King 4, uh, it specifically stated that you need to have a fraud examiner within your organization to protect yourself as an assurance partner. So, Looking at everything and, and, and seeing where things are going, uh, fraud examiners no longer sits within only your internal audit division. They no longer sits uh, on the side just being consultants, although um, it's great uh, if, if you can get consultants involved because they also understand the complexities from various other um, industry side. But uh, there's, there's, there's a specific need for, for CFEs and, and, and within your organization to sit, sit separate from your, from your other departments, to be objective, to also look at, at all aspects of your organization and, and no longer can you, can you just be uh, a person that investigates, uh, reactive. Companies are moving towards proactive approach, um, having the necessary processes, procedures in place, systems in place to detect earlier. And we've seen it in the last, uh, uh, I do refer to the report to the nations over the last decade. There's been a substantial drop in losses as well as timeframes that your fraud examiners take uh, in, in identifying fraud. So uh, I think that's one of the reasons for it. Henry, your passion seems to surround the fact that whistleblowers don't receive the necessary protection, but they're an integral part of the reporting process. Are we seeing a growth in anonymous reporting in respect of hotlines or in respect of online reporting? And does it work? Chad, yes, I can say yes. I think what the good thing is, in South Africa, I see more and more um, service providers coming forward with a with a process or with an application that you can make available um, for the whistleblowers. BDO, for instance, last year in November, we made a available application that people, businesses can can communicate with us via WhatsApp. So you can send me a WhatsApp, you can send me messages, but, but there's other applications available as well. So that to me is an indication that the industry acknowledges that there's a need for people to talk. What is also good is what I see in the forensic industry that um, Yaku mentioned now, 
you know, we, we talk about in our industry about reactive services and proactive services. You don't want to warn a company once they lost the money. You don't want to warn once there's already a person um, threatened or like you referred to it earlier as death. You need to, to be proactive. And the proactive side of our work is extremely important. We've got very good relationships with the police, Chad. The police this year already um, appointed um, a general as well that work with forensic accounting matters. Um, she's inundated her unit with a lot of work. But also what the unit do is they get the the professional services from companies like ourselves as well to support them in this effort. So I just feel that we can never, ever just think that we can work without whistleblowers. Whistleblowers make a matter shorter. They know what is going on in the environment. And they also know where his documents kept or serve or forward. I just want to mention one, one thing that Krista said to you. Krista spoke about, you know, communication, email communication that we pick up in, in, um, forensic investigations is becoming problematic. The way that people in-house send, um, manipulate communication that, and ensure then that money is paid. Again, what Yako also said. The moment when you're not safeguarded against those processes uh, that Krista also referred to, then it happens that money is paid into the wrong account, a bank account has changed at um, a, a business, and the money is gone. You know, the court processes do take long, um, and you would like to help people to make sure that they don't lose money, but rather that we, we help and whistleblowers play an active role, as well as media. Christo, taking up where Anne-Marie just left off, she's talking about prevention and being proactive. Now, a lot of us older folk are somewhat technologically challenged, but we hear things like multi-types of authentication. What are they talking about when they're talking about having multiple faceted authentication to protect our bank accounts, etc.? Uh, so, Chad, this is, this is typically, we refer to it as multi-factor authentication, so, so typically one thing that the user has, the, the user would have a bank card. The bank card's got a card number. It's got a CVV number. Um, but then there's also what the user knows. Um, and, um, the, the user typically know it's, it's, um, it's, it's secret code to the card. And then a third factor, which is in my humble opinion, and we saw it very successfully deployed in the Netherlands, is what the user is, a biometric authentication mechanism of authenticating that user. Practically, unfortunately, in the South African landscape, it's it's not that practical to implement that third-factor authentication, so our banks are leaning towards a um, some uh, interactive one-time PIN. So you are transacting. We would like to verify whether whether it is Christoph von Staden um, transacting um, currently on his card, and the bank would know you know what his mobile number is X, and he's got his mobile app on the on on his um, on his mobile, and they would send me a one-time PIN. So those are typically the three factors or multi-factor authentication mechanisms that our banks are bidding putting in place in order to just exercise that one step extra um, diligence of making sure that you are the user. There are, however, a great drive in the, in, in the majority of our banks and local organiza- organizations 
establishing centralized online fraud management hubs where we can literally look at, at the transaction. We can, um, we, we know what perpetrators, where they come from, what IP addresses they are utilizing, and we can step into what Anna Marie referred to as a proactive mechanism of detecting fraud before it hits our users. So um, banks are monitoring their domains. They are looking where people are impersonating on their domains. They, um, we've, we provide services where we regularly go on the dark web and check what credit cards are available there for sale. And the moment we would say it's uh, C is from bank X, Y, and Z, the bank gets alerted immediately, and we make sure that the user gets contacted and say, you know what, we, we can see your card. Your card is defrauded. Let's replace the card. Let's make sure that we put that extra mechanism in place. So, yes, there's a lot of effort, which I it stand in awe with and admiration of what the local banks are doing to to assist proactively, not um, not compromising their users. But there is never, we can never ever neglect the diligence and the vigilance um, applied by the user itself. It's International Fraud Awareness Week 2022. This has been a panel discussion brought to you by the ACFE South Africa and FM. It was not industry related where people from industry were invited to listen in, but it was something for the public at large to get a, a broader understanding of what's happening out there. And this, although it was a somewhat small view of what's happening out there because we, we always limit it with time, I think um, Yaku and Marie and Krista have been able to bring a lot of insight into what is happening. And if you check social media this week, look for International Fraud Awareness Week, you're going to find out a lot more about how fraud impacts on each and every one of us. I'd like to thank Anne-Marie Kruchel from BDO South Africa, Christoph von Staden from Hosi Technologies for joining us, and a special word of thanks to Yaku Yaga and the team from the ACFE South Africa who agreed to put together this very first live panel discussion with the public. Um, rather than just with the industry to discuss matters that are so very important. The recording of this uh, live interview will be uploaded to the FM website. That's www.chaifm.com. It will also be shared to all social media platforms. And, of course, we'll be giving you the contact details for the ACFE South Africa, BDO South Africa, and Hosi Technologies. Uh, Yaku, thank you so much for joining us today. And Marie and Krista, I'm looking so forward to meeting you in person one of the days. And uh, we really look forward to having more of these engagements um, throughout the coming Fraud Awareness Weeks. And there, of course, we also have Fraud Awareness in each and every insert that we have. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Thanks, Chad. Anne-Marie Kruchel from BDO South Africa, Yaku Diaga from the ACFE South Africa, and Christopher von Staden from Hosi Technologies. Their details will be uploaded to our social media, and, of course, a recording will be uploaded. Thank you so much for joining us. Confidential Brief, of course, is brought to you by Rubber Roofs, the trusted name in waterproofing. 
Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be back next week discussing more issues pertaining to fraud and corruption. And remember, although we read a lot about fraud and corruption at a high level, how it impacts on the state and the private sector, never ever forget that it impacts and trickles down, like was pointed out to us by our guests today, to each and every one of us. Be careful out there. The holidays are around. Fraudsters are adept to change. They love Black Swan events, and they're looking for a way to part you and your hard-earned money. Thank you so much for joining us.